Welcome back to the JCMS podcast. I'm Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and a Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to speak with the author of another article that we selected for CME credit in the September-October 2018 issue of our journal. I chose the article, Methotrexate in the Treatment of Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis, a retrospective study authored by Dr. Neil Shear and his co-authors, Dr. Shaw, Dr. Lucian, and Dr. Scott Walsh. I chose this article because of the new advances that we're seeing in atopic eczema and our understanding of the condition and its, tre- its new treatments. And I'm very happy that uh, Dr. Shear is with me to speak about his research. Good afternoon, Neil. Thank you for joining us once again to uh, review your uh your article with this. Now, we're going to talk about methotrexate and how methotrexate is an old drug that has found new meaning, or we're starting to think about it more than than really ever before in my training. And learning more about it than, you know, I'm embarrassed to say we we knew nothing about it until we started to compare and contrast it with biologics. So in managing atopic eczema, you and your co-authors seem pretty comfortable in using this drug in the setting of uh, of severe atopic eczema. Can you give me some idea what brought you to that sort of conclusion, why you started thinking that way? Well, as you know, atopic dermatitis, especially in adults, can be really bad. And while it may go up and down, it almost never goes away. We would see horrific cases, and adults are just fed up. We felt we would just reach into our toolkit of various immunosuppressive drugs, and methotrexate is certainly one that comes to mind. Over time, we were really impressed on how helpful it could be. It didn't make people perfectly clear all the time, but definitely gave them back a lifestyle that mattered. Uh, some of them needed intramuscular cantalog as a boost here and there, uh, but it was easy to manage. And people liked the idea with methotrexate of just taking a medication once a week. That seemed to be something that resonated with them. And it made it easier for us to have a conversation. I, I was fascinated by the adult onset atopic eczema that we're learning about. Are these truly, and I think I think 20% of your population was adult onset, wasn't it? And Exactly. And, and we've been really amazed at, uh, there's different groups. There are people who start getting it in their 20s. Uh, people who start getting it around retirement age, and some of those are erythrodermas. I guess we call it atopic dermatitis, but boy, can those be hard to treat, and they can really get into severe problems. We never find lymphoma. We never find other diagnoses, and they're really challenging and terribly life-destroying. But if we look at people who start to develop it in adulthood, that is maybe, I don't think it's new. I think it's just something that we're really recognizing clearly now and that story of, yes, a certain percent will go away if it starts in childhood. Um, not always. And sometimes these people will say I had eczema as a child, uh, but it seemed to calm down. But when I got into adulthood, it really took off again. Yeah. And and it looks like they were as easy a responder as any, any other group. So you, in your group of um, people that you had of the 41 patients, what were your toughest to get better? I saw you had a 90-year-old um, in that group. I mean, easier to... Yeah, it's quite a diverse group of people. I, I think 
the main issue would be there are going to be people who are hyper IgE, for example, and those IgE patients just do not get better with that. They need a, a biologic uh, if they can get one, mm-hmm. and it's the they, they're probably the toughest group uh, in in terms of what's of people who who just don't get better. Um, you put them on methotrexate, you can put them on cyclosporin, you can put them on steroids, and they're a real battle. Uh, they run into all sorts of problems, but you're usual, more average type of adult who's got pretty bad eczema and has lived with it for years and years, um, most can get some improvement. Some clearly have to go on to a biologic, but but many of them are doing okay. And if we didn't have any biologics, they'd sort of feel they had some life back. It's not 100% health. It would be like what the PASI 50 or PASI 75 used to be. They're like, oh, you're doing better. And they say, yes, I am, and I do feel better about it. But it's not like getting to a PASI-90 equivalent, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, in your article, you, um, you outline how you manage this, which, is, which was really useful. Did it require a lot of hand-holding, or was it the kind of thing that, that um, you got people educated and, uh, and away they go? Well, we would sit down and use the usual treatments, mostly whether it's a systemic or a biologic, I always mention it at the beginning. And people say, oh, well, I don't know yet. And then the second time you mention again, and they think, well, yeah, tell me more about that. And the third time they might say, okay, I'm ready. Uh, For methotrexate, at the very beginning when I mention it, I just give them a sheet that uh, I work together with the pharmacist to put together. So we would have information that wasn't so generic and wildly crazy. On the internet, a lot of the information, especially about side effects, are for the doses that are used for chemotherapy. We don't see that. And it's about a five-page, big print, spread out, easy to read. In the middle of it, one of the side effects that's mentioned is hair loss. And it does happen, but the reason I like it in there is because I know if people have read the material. (laughs) I asked them if they have any questions, and only one person didn't have a question, and it was a guy who was totally bald already. And I said, but did you know? Oh, he said, I saw that, but I don't care. But everybody else always, they, they would read past horrific side effects and say, excuse me, I have a question. What's this about hair loss? <laughs> That's, and I go, well, thank you. I'm glad you read it. Was there anything else that bothered you? That's a great clue. That's a great clue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change my hand out and put hair loss in the middle. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. And it's just, it's so consistent. So it was easy. We're not trying to scare people. We just want them to be informed. And, and they come back and, you know, we talk about taking the folic acid, the vitamin, the rest of the time. I'll often explain that methotrexate is structurally almost identical to folic acid. It's taken up by receptors. It's actually stored in these white cells. And if you go off it, you may be clear for a month or two, but it's different in different people. Uh, so they're not worried about taking everything, um, taking it all the time. And now that we have uh, better tests like the fiber scan and fiber test, we can manage them with much greater confidence. We have good viral testing. Uh, there's a lot of things that make methotrexate easier now. What used to be the biggest problem for me was nausea. Folic acid has diminished that, not completely. Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest complaint we hear is fatigue. And some people get profound fatigue. It's next to impossible to treat. A few patients have used cannabinoids and liked it and felt it helped. But once they get off the methotrexate, their energy level comes back and they realize that, you know, they really did have a problem. It's not enough to stop you using it, 
but it is enough to recognize and ask people, you know, so if you take your medication on a Friday, why do you do Friday? They say, well, because I sleep all day Saturday and Sunday. So that happens. But it's still, for the rest of the week, people can work, they can have family life, they can do things they couldn't do before. Well, you know, I, I recognizing the you know, small number of people here, but I have a sense that there, you're having less problem with methotrexate in the atopic population than we run into in the psoriatic one. I mean, it's almost as if our psoriasis patient had been trained to hate methotrexate now that it's a, a prerequisite drug for people with moderate to severe psoriasis to take. That's a really good point, and I, and I think a very uh, good observation. Uh, I, I mean, I think with the psoriasis patients, whether there's fatty liver, drinking, other risks, uh, I think you're right. I think it uh, seems to be easier hmm. in these patients. It's a different environment now, though, with all the different therapies. Um, they don't have a lot of options. And when I think of some of the alternatives like cyclosporin, which has a role, but I think in clinical practice um, is not that easy, sometimes an issue. Hmm. Um, in, in my province, for example, if you're on the provincial formulary, uh, we can't even get cyclosporin. And we've talked to them about changing it, and they say things like, we hear you, <laughs> but they don't listen. And so we still have problems with that. So there, it, it ends up being part of a small toolkit, actually, hmm. uh, for us. Well, methotrexate seems to be, in your, in your world, the, the first-line therapy, not the third-line therapy. I, I like the, it, um, the, the management style. I mean, it's... You give the you start people on a, a drug, and I'm assuming it's around 15 milligrams uh, weekly, and then you kind of I got the sense that you let them increase and decrease depending upon response after they've had their response. Is, is that? How you I think, think yeah. Once people get going, and, and we're we're sort of they know they can control it, which changes things. And I tell them it's if you had migraines. Yes, you might be taking a drug all the time to keep it away, but there are going to be times where you need more. And I want them to feel enabled to say, okay, well, I'm taking 20 milligrams now. Uh, and usually by that stage, I, I break it up actually into the morning and the evening. There's some old data showing better kinetics mm -hmm. with that. Uh, but, you know, they'll go up to 25 or sometimes 30. Um, but they'll do it on their own for a couple of weeks. They get under control. They go back down. Uh, we know that they go from one bad season to another bad season. And there's always different reasons. People who are doing bad in our hot summer are gonna now be doing bad because it's getting dry out. Uh, so it just never seems to end and they should be able to manage it themselves. The BID dosing, just to, do you think it helps the nausea or has it ever helped the fatigue? It has helped with the nausea. I've not seen BID dosing help with the fatigue that much, uh, maybe in the odd patient. Um, it's, it is that profound chemotherapy type of fatigue yeah. though. It's not like you're tired after, you know, a busy week. Yeah. Uh, it is different. And, um, I, I, I don't know, but we will try it. It's funny. Some people, and I'm sure you've seen this, it's rare. And they say, oh, here's how I use it. I take it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they have their own routine. I have a few people who have been doing that for decades now and are fine. Um, you know, we don't have to be wed to this once a month. We can break up the dosing, I'm sure, and make it more palatable for patients. It just goes back to historical um, thoughts about why psoriasis responded to methotrexate. And, and I don't know that it has to be that way. 
uh, we probably could be a little more creative with methotrexate and use it even uh, smarter than we are now. Well, as I pointed out in the introduction, it's it's a drug we, you know, we well love to hate or hate to love or whatever. But we're getting used. We're just now figuring out how to use this stuff uh, effectively. And it seems like in many respects we're coming back to the way our teachers taught us this up and down. In and some down. ways, uh, yeah. That's true, actually, especially when you start breaking it up every 12 yeah. hours like we yeah. used to do in yeah. the old days. We That's should right. maybe listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So tell me about the FibroScan story. Um, we're using it a lot, too. Do you, do you use a, a cumulative dose uh, sort of threshold if, you know, if there are no other you know, real risk factors involved? For the FibroScan, I'm looking at it maybe every two or three years, and... I, I can't. I couldn't do this for isotretinoin either. I, I can't calculate cumulative doses. And, and if I'm telling somebody to use it four tablets a week, but they're taking six sometimes, eight other times, two other times, I don't know what their cumulative dose is. And but I know I can. The years tend to be pretty uh, consistent. Mm -hmm. So we work it out. Uh, what I do do though is you can get it done in the community, and you might get some very nice results back but it doesn't give me the comprehensive assessment that I would like from a hepatologist. So at one of our university centers, uh, one, the FibroScan is free. Uh, two, they see a hepatologist. And once in a while, they come back with something that they picked up some fatty liver that we missed or somebody has hemochromatosis in there uh, or a virus that we missed. There's, it's a nice check and they explain things to the patient. It gives them confidence that they've seen the hepatologist. So I like that. We've been very lucky mm. with that, actually. And we've sent them hundreds of patients because we use a lot of methotrexate. And it's been really good. I know people, before they go for their testing, are quite anxious because the drug's working for them. And they're so afraid they're going to be told to stop it. Uh, maybe one out of 100 actually does have to stop it or might need a liver biopsy. But they pretty well all walk away with confidence. And I said, look, the next week you'll be taking your pills and you won't be worried mm -hmm. about it. Now, I wanted to, in, in this same issue, I published a letter to the editor from uh, doctors Vincent Ho and Jan Dutz from the University of British Columbia. And they have had a very similar experience to yours, not as well documented. But when I asked them to reflect back on their use of methotrexate, I mean, they've been basically following your protocol for, it looks like for 10 years. Um, did you have any comments about their, um, uh, about that letter that, uh, is there any differences in the way you manage it or is this supportive? Actually, yeah, looking what, at what they wrote, I, I, I was, it was very, um, it was great to read and see that they had a similar experience that they felt it had a strong role, uh, that it probably was, as far as systemic therapies go, the best. Uh, if anything, we need to get people out of the hands of just, oh, take prednisone for a month and then stop it, or, you know, eight pills, nine pills, seven pills to six pills, like whatever counting people have, it makes no sense. It's not an answer to anything. It's just to get somebody out of the office. Mm -hmm. On a long term, where you have a chronic disease that's going to last probably the rest of your life, if this is the way to go, then you want to do it in a way that's effective all the time and is safe. So we try and manage that as much as we can. It's nice to see that they feel that same confidence. It does make me feel good that what we've seen over the past 10 to 20 years really does uh, resonate 
and uh, probably has a role. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think the ideal patient is probably going to be a, a moderate to severe atopic mm -hmm. and somebody who is not planning on having a baby and, uh, and is not uh, known to have any alcohol or other liver disease risks. Uh, you know, I think you can pretty well uh, manage uh, a lot of atopics in this manner. And what they wrote, I think, was very reassuring. It, when it appeared to me that they were more likely to, to keep someone on the methotrexate for 6 to 12 months and then st stop it rather than tapering it on and off intermittently over time. And he makes the comment here, they make the comment here rather, that less than 20% of their patients required a subsequent course of methotrexate after they cleared on a year of treatment. So their their philosophy is almost treat and keep well and then try and stop straight away. And and um, and they've had, it looks like they've had pretty decent success um, in that protocol. Yeah, and I can understand that a bit, but I, I, I would say with re all due respect, I don't believe it. Uh, I, I don't see that. People have this disease. Yeah. It's chronic. They come back. Uh, so what happens when you get down? Now, some people are on maybe five milligrams a week, but you know, they're just, they don't want to get off it. And that's fine. I, there's no, I don't think there's any tangible risk to that. So I, I'm happier. You know, if people be on the, can be on the lowest dose possible and know what that is for them at, at a, in the beginning, of course, getting people under control because they're bad probably requires heavier lifting than when they are doing well. But to get them off it completely, there's been a few, but I don't think that many. I think most people have been on chronic yeah, therapy. And I do see that they, when they keep people on continuous therapy, they're in the same place as your group in the 5 to 7.5 milligram per week uh, dosing schedule. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you for this. Um, it was an enlightening way to use methotrexate. Not an enlightening way to use methotrexate. It was reassuring that people are using methotrexate this way because the literature says cyclosporin, 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 which I guess may be driven by the Europeans. But in, in this world of you know expensive biologics and the new um, inhibitor jack inhibitors coming on and and it's it's really nice to know that we have an affordable therapy that is effective and you've really helped us look at the management of these people and reassured us that we can do this and um, it's uh, and and thank you uh, for giving us this sort of step by step uh, approach. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Dr. Shearer is a professor of medicine, clinical pharmacology at the University of Toronto, and the co-author of the article, Methotrexate in the Treatment of Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis, a retrospective study in the September-October 2018 issue of JCMS. To my mind as a clinician, here are some of the key takeaways for me from our conversation and from the article. Firstly, methotrexate is very useful. Dr. Shear tells us exactly how he and his colleagues use this drug to help individuals with atopic eczema. Two, methotrexate has proven itself to be safe and effective in the management of this condition. And thirdly, he gives us a very clear idea of how to manage these patients, not only for their effect, but for the potential side effects. After listening to our conversation, I'm sure that you're much more comfortable in managing patients with uh, atopic eczema with methotrexate, and I'm hopeful that many people will benefit from your listening to our conversation. Well, 
That's it for another episode of the JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. I'm hopeful you enjoyed your time with us and that you'll subscribe and share this with your colleagues. I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be good to each other.